Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life, from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching program, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. This podcast is brought to you by DrunkMummiesSoberMummy.com and made in association with HelloSundayMorning.org, changing the world's relationship with alcohol one Sunday at a time. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages... You'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety. The good, the bad, the ugly and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together, we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Was I naked? No, you weren't naked, but you were fat and you had loads of stubble. Oh, God. It sounds like a nightmare rather than a bad dream, Lucy. It was a nightmare. I felt terrible all of the next day. Naked Alan. Yeah. yeah, Or at least he wasn't naked. No, he wasn't naked. We were just talking about my uh, anxiety dream that I had the other day. It was one of the worst I've had. And it was me, Vic and Alan went out on the piss. And then we had to record a podcast and we were all severely hung over. Oh, that is a horrible dream. I always have those. It's not so much the drinking dreams for me. It's the anxiety-ridden ones. Yeah, the next day Mm. and feeling the shame, Yeah, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit today, Lucy Lou. 
I actually blame it on this on doing this episode. Yeah, me it's, too. It's been so traumatic. This is our <laughs> most traumatic episode that we've ever written, I think. Between us, we've had severe uh, post-drinking anxiousness, it's haven't we? It's been horrible, but yeah. we are going to do it because it's just so important and relevant to giving up and staying sober. Yeah. Um, but before we get into it... I just want to say that today's episode of Sober Awkward is sponsored by Liars, simply the finest alcohol-free spirits the world has ever seen. Find out how to get some great discounts on Liars later in the show. We're yeah. going to be telling you about their margarita day, which is exciting. Yeah. And you're going to make one for me, aren't yeah, you, Yeah, and Vic? alcohol-free, of course. Yes, definitely. Now, Vic, you've had a birthday. It's I your know. Turn. We're both little Aquarians, aren't we, Lucy? Yeah. So our birthdays are two weeks apart. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, tell us about it. What did yeah, you do? Yeah, I just sat down and said, what do I want to do for my birthday? And I always end up doing things that I don't really want to do. So I sat down and I thought, right, I want to go and do this amazing walk, which is from Noosa down to a place called Sunshine Beach here on the sunny coast. And I just invited people to come on that walk with me and then come for lunch afterwards. And then I had a lovely dinner with my husband. And afterwards, I did an Instagram post. I was thinking, what, how did it feel for me to have a birthday where I just do everything for myself and don't drink? And I realised the overwhelming feeling of having an alcohol-free birthday is a total sense of relief. Mm. I just feel so relieved that I don't have to think about drinking or think about the anxiety the next day. It is a huge weight off my shoulders just to enjoy a day and not have that added pressure. Yeah, it is really nice. I love a sober birthday. And my last birthday when I was drinking, I went out for lunch with some friends and I was I don't even remember the end of the lunch. Yeah, the end of the lunch. Yeah, that's terrible, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and yeah, you ruined your whole day. Yeah. Haven't you really and whereas a sober birthday you get to get up early enjoy yep. it from the beginning all the way through to the end and remember it it's just great I, and, and yep. no and people don't really drink around you because no. it's your birthday I mean I was saying that at Christmas everyone else is drinking you can't control that but when it's your birthday people do the things you want to do yeah, and you if they don't involve drinking yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've reminded me of my last drinking birthday um, I remember that my flashback memory to it is John my husband standing on one end of the bar and me up the other end and I was firing shots at him down the <laughs> table which of nice. course it never yeah, I was like you know like a western movie yeah. with Cal boys when they throw throw the drinks or they slide across the bar I was doing that but they were all falling on the ground and the bar people were getting really really angry with us and I remember saying drinks are on me at one point and the whole bar instead of just my mates I didn't realise till the next day had put all their drinks on my tap it was like a thousand dollars yeah oh no and I was so hungover imagine like the bar phoning me up saying you've got to pay your tab it's a thousand dollars I was like why is it a thousand dollars because he said oh drinks on me I can hardly even remember saying it that's awful it was horrible yeah and imagine my descent into the land of doom and gloom just straight away yeah Oh, dear. I just want to tell you, Lucy, quickly, you know, we were talking the other day about how like you and I would kind of like overexpose ourselves in this podcast and and online as well. Like we're both kind of in a business of like talking about what it's like to be a single mum and what it's like to be a drinker, parent and all that. And I always get funny. I always wonder what I'm going to talk about at the beginning of this podcast. (laughs) And then something weird happens, like literally the hour before I come. And I'm like, oh, my God, there it is what I'm going to talk about. What is it? Well, just before I arrived, I looked at my phone and my... Instagram and there was like one of those sort of secret messages on there and it was from a guy and all it said was can I be your foot slave (laughs) 
I was like, right, bloody hell. And it was a te- that was one up from the one I had earlier in the week, which was the guy that called me a peasant. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I actually yeah. just sent him a picture of a pheasant in I return. I can't understand what that was all about. It <laughs> was all weird. Anyway, so I get a few nasty emails every now and again. But, I mean, if he wants to be my foot yeah, slave, I'm all say, up for yeah. it. Did you respond? No, I didn't respond. No, I, I blocked him. <laughs> oh, you should have forwarded it on to me. Yeah, actually, I will do, actually. I've still got his number. Yeah, you uh, never know what's going to come up when you put yourself out there, no, do you? Don't, you? And no. Most of it's normal most and lovely, but every now and then things come up and you just like almost yeah. fall off your chair. <laughs> Foot slave. Come on, get a life, mate. Hand slave, I can understand. Oh, he might be really nice. Yeah, he's probably lucky. Give him um, a chance. Really? Yeah, you never know. Well, not so sure. It's a funny opener. He's got to be a bit strange. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, so today we want to go back into the heart of our drinking days, which is why Lucy and I are feeling overly anxious yeah. today, and talk about alcohol-induced anxiety, a.k.a. anxiety, the fear, the booze blues, the Jaeger bomb jitters, the tequila worm worries, or post-pino panic disorder. Excellent play on words there, Vic. For me, anxiety has been a very present and looming force throughout my life. I wanted to dedicate a whole episode to this topic because it plays a huge role, not only in my drinking, but also in my sobriety. Yes. Today we're going to investigate why we get anxiety when hungover and beyond the Wednesday wobbles. We'll discuss what it feels like and how we coped with it or perhaps didn't cope yes, with it, tried to cope with it yeah. at least. Uh, what on earth was going on in our squishy brains and why do we feel such negativity after supposedly having a fun night out with our mates? God, it's amazing the downfall, isn't it? It's like, yeah. oh yeah, look at me, I'm having a good time. And then it's like, that's right. I'm going to die. You you knew you were going to feel at, like de- at death's door the following day, but you'd still go out Carry and on. have that fun night out with your mates. Yeah, fun in uh, yeah, inverted, inverted commas. commas. Yeah. Uh, also, I also wonder why some people get anxiety after drinking and others don't. Right? Does it depend on how much we drink and all of that? So we're going to discuss mm. that too. I used to see pictures on Facebook of mates going out you know, going out on a Sunday, going about their happy lives, going for breakfast and swimming in the oceans. In many oceans, maybe. <laughs> Smiling on a Sunday on Facebook after a big night out. I just simply couldn't understand it. I would be in bed crying, considering calling an ambulance, <laughs> yeah. or hope, actually hoping to be sectioned. I would crawl out of bed after a torturous day, only capable of eating dry toast and mentally adept enough to order a takeout, which was a pepperoni passion from Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> and guess the prices on the Antiques Roadshow at sunset. I mean, I didn't get up out of bed until it was dark. Yeah. Why did I always feel so terrible after drinking? Was I simply just drinking more than anyone else? Probably. Yes, very possibly. And yeah, the Antiques Roadshow is a trigger for me now. Yeah, me. Because that was always on, on a Sunday yep. in the UK. Uh, so now when I look at it, I feel immediately down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's presenters. a shame because I do quite like the yeah, Antiques Roadshow. It's quite Road joyful, show, really. As I'm getting older. Yeah, it should be cosy TV. <laughs> yeah. We ruined it, like we ruined so many things. Yeah, one man and his dog was the other one. Yeah, that was on a Sunday. Yeah. For those of you that know, it was it was actually a sheep herding television yeah. program. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I ever heard that music again, I think I'd go into an actual yeah. panic attack. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean, Pick. But the reason we want to cover this topic is because having any kind of panic disorder is part of overdrinking that we accept and we don't really discuss until today. It's so prevalent and is ruining so many people's lives, especially when it seeps into the working weeks and it leads into heavier boozing. For those that are unable to shake off hangovers, anxiety can be crippling. It certainly was for us. Some suffer for days or weeks, alone, afraid and embarrassed, and it might even create a bigger problem than anxiety itself. Vic and I wonder if perhaps anxiety is having a much larger impact on our mental health and that alcohol could be to blame for the massive rise in suicides, emotional breakdowns and depression. Yeah, for sure. Also today, we're going to reveal something incredible, which you can probably guess what it is. Something that's worth <laughs> its weight in gold. They'll never a miracle guess. formula. <laughs> yes, Vic, today we're going to disclose a cure to anxiety, a method in which you never have to endure that awful come down fear again. So stay tuned. Yep. I mean, so what led us to this topic? That is the question. Well, because this is huge for both of us, isn't it? Yes. This is our this is our real crux of our drinking and of our sobriety. Yes, I'd go so far to say it is what made us both stop drinking yeah. and it is what keeps us sober. Yes, definitely. Um, we're just going to go back in time a little bit to our... Our hangovers when we were younger, like when I was a teenager, Lucy, when I when I used to drink, I used to find the hangovers quite giggly. You know, they weren't mm. this traumatic episode every Sunday. It was me smoking a spliff in the back of a Fiat Panda. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> good look. Good you know, look, and laughing with my mates. Yes. There was no trauma. I mean, we probably felt a, a little bit weird the next day, but there was no, like, internal turmoil like that it, it led to later on my hangovers were always doable there was yes. there was no real downside to drinking then it was just well let's you know either go for, to the pub and have hair of the dog or let's just get over it and go for you know hang out again and or stay in bed all morning mm. and sleep actually. yes I was just about to <laughs> yeah. say I think you could sleep and eat your hangovers away very easily when you were younger definitely I watched my teenage daughter and her friends and boyfriends and they rarely go out and get drunk but when they do they'll sleep for about 14 hours yeah. and that is why they wake up feeling half okay they've slept Whereas it off. we haven't at our age and after a long period of drinking you're yeah. unable to sleep properly yeah and so you can't sleep it off you have to stay in the land of the living and suffer yeah I mean, I remember saying, don't worry, I'll sleep it off. Like if I was really drunk or I've been sick or something, will you be all right tomorrow? I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'll sleep it mm. off. It's fine. And I remember I would sleep for hours and hours and wake up, you know, in time for the Antiques Roadshow and I'd feel fine. Yes. Um, but that's obviously changed. My hangovers got progressively worse throughout mm, my yeah. life, whether I was drinking more or not. Sometimes I'd go out and only have a couple of drinks, but still feel the same level of paranoia and hypochondria or something else that slipped into it. You know, yeah. all of these things start slipping into do, slowly, your hangovers. Yeah, little kind of side effects mm. like mental and physical. So I used to become, I remember it, my hangovers changing when I moved to Brighton, I, I was uh, burning the candle at both ends, as we say. I was completely wild. A Saturday night was a big night out. A Sunday night was a big night out. And then Monday was the 70s night down at the, uh, I can't remember the name of the club now, the Honey Club, that mm. was it. You know, and so every night was a drinking night. So no matter 
whether I was hungover or not, I got up, went and got the hair of the dog and carried on the party. So I think during that period, I was drinking every day and drinking away those hangovers. Yeah. So I never had to face the fear. We used to go to this place called the Pav Tav and have giant Yorkshire puddings with a roast mm. in. And we used to gobble those up, yeah. have Bloody Marys and then get back yeah. on it. That and end up being out, in a nightclub again. Young. Yeah, no it sorted, problem at sorted all. me right out. I think if I'd stopped drinking and not gone out to the pub that day, perhaps the anxiety or the anxiety would have crept into my life mm. a little bit earlier. But in those days, in those early days, I could get rid of it. I could, you know, lean into the hangover, drink through it. But of course, that never really worked because all I was doing was delaying the mental trauma. So you were already finding ways to carry on drinking and not having to deal with how bad you felt around it. So at the time, you had no idea really what you were doing, but you were just delaying that mental health effect that was making you feel so bad. I was doing almost what my body was telling me to do was like, you don't need to feel like shit today. You can drink instead. And you'll be okay. And your mates are all going out. So why would you stay at home feeling shit when everybody else is going to go and carry on and be down the pub, club and bar for the afternoon? Because mm. they used to have all-day sessions there. You know, you could you could turn up at a, cl- a, a Sunday morning club and have like a house party from 10am till 2pm and then go on to until a lock-in at the pub. So there was always places to go in Brighton and that can be quite dangerous. Yeah. There's always something open. Oh, well, that's that's the same as London. We used to come out of how we used to go to the same club. We found out. Yes, didn't we did. We? The Vauxhall, was it the Vauxhall the Tavern? The Channel Club. The Channel Club. That's the it. Vauxhall Tavern is the um, is another that's club another that we one, both yeah. used to go to as well. But the Channel Club, you'd come out of it. It closed at six a.m. and then you go to Sunnyside Up, hmm. which opened at six a.m. Strawberry Sundays. And Strawberry that Sundays. Was it. Yes. yes. Oh, there you go. Blast in the past. In my so, Morris Minor. <laughs> oh God, you used to drive between clubs. Oh, gurning. <laughs> No, oh god! Trying to avoid police cars, <laughs> but yeah, they were they they. We look back and they were certainly happy days, but we were already finding ways to avoid the downers, and that way was usually to carry on drinking. So yeah, I mean, this topic is so important for me as well because things just got worse and worse for me with my anxiety until really, you know, it got to the point where um, in my last couple of years of drinking, they were just so immense that I couldn't actually get up off the couch or out of bed sometimes for 24 hours. And I'm not exaggerating. I was a single mum with kids and I could not move. Um, The only thing that would make me move and get up and make pat lunch or make dinner was another drink. Yeah, That was the only thing that would make me feel as if I could manage another hour or two on this planet before I go to bed. I mean, I just felt so terrible. The horrendousness of my hangovers um, have left their mark on me. Mm-hmm. And I and I mean, we were laughing about my drinking dream that I had. But I do. It was the night before your birthday, Vic. I had this drinking dream, the three of us, you, me and Alan, um, going out on the piss. And my dreams are not about the bit when you're on the piss where it might be quite good fun it's always about having to manage life afterwards with that anxiety and that that horrendous hangover Um, and I woke up with a headache and Mm. I had a headache all day I'm deeply traumatized by anxiety Mm. Um, and that is why it's such an important 
topic and it's the reason for my sobriety. Yeah. Why I did it because I just can't go through that. Not one more time. I no. can't live one more minute of my life feeling like that. No, because I don't think I actually, you saying that makes me realise, I don't think I would survive that anymore if I was to put myself through that like of course I get those moments of oh I quite fancy a drink still that does happen but then when I click into that moment of go remember the anxiety remember how you felt on those days I just I don't think I would mentally survive it I think I would go down into a spiral and god knows what would happen to me it is so risky and it is so awful that I could never ever face doing it again I'm traumatized by it I agree with you and there's no such thing as one drink for us one drink is several drinks several drinks lead to a blackout a blackout leads to a hangover a hangover leads to anxiety yeah and we just could never ever do that again I mean and to know that we were talking about it just now in the introduction we were living for several years saying I know I'm going to feel like death tomorrow I know I'm going to feel like shit I'm going to want to die tomorrow I am going to drink so heavily tonight that tomorrow morning I will feel suicidal yeah but the need to drink was bigger and so we would drink and we would go through it yeah. time and time again. I mean, you can try and prep yourself for that. You know, like try and pretend that you're going to moderate and it's not going to be as bad. But it was always as bad or it was always got worse. It was progressively worse. My anxiety deteriorated with each time I drank, no matter yes. how much I drank. And it's incredible to me now, which is why I love talking about this, even though it makes me feel anxious, is that. I cannot believe I did that to myself. It's like this sort of self-flagellation. Is that the word? It's like when you punish yourself. It's like I'm sticking a needle in my eye. I mean, I would have rather have done that. I would have rather had a physical injury than have the mental injury of being hungover. Because it is like that. It's like you're you're injuring yourself. You're punching yourself in the face um, and feeling the downfall of that for 24 hours afterwards that you feel so bad that you want to die but yet we continue to do it I know that is the problem with normalisation of alcohol in society and in social occasions because we felt we couldn't go out without it so therefore we had to forge through this total mental breakdown to drink alcohol which to me now seems absolutely crazy it's insanity it is total insanity that we could do that to ourselves and our lovely bodies Lucy especially your lovely little body oh my Thank you very much. I think your body's just as lovely, my Bit dear. Chubbier than yours. Still lovely. We've both got lovely bodies. Cuddly bodies. And we've got mum bodies. Yeah. Um, now, you just mentioned there as well, Vic, about how sometimes you would try. You, we would know, well, certainly when we were younger, and yeah, like even I suppose in the last years of drinking, we would know that we were going to feel, feel terrible. So sometimes we would look at ways to try and drink, but not to have the hangover. And I can remember, I can remember distinctly being on the London Underground reading. I had a book about how not to get a hangover and it was things in it like you know the typical things like drink water but also have a slice of salmon you have salmon for the for dinner before you I tried everything yeah I tried everything I thought that I could find a way around it to get the best of both worlds to be able to go out and feel okay the following morning but I mean the crazy things I did but it's interesting because looking back I was already suffering at such a young age I was looking into how I could avoid these
these hangovers. Mm. Mm. And I think I just learned as time went on that none of this stuff was even touching the sides. I was no. n- never going to avoid the hangover. So I gave up on even trying to find ways around it. And I would just, just know I was going to get it and carry on drinking. And interestingly, when we spoke to William Porter, he explained that your body has to go through this process when after drinking. Mm. There's no avoiding it. You can drink as much water as you like and you can do whatever you want. Like, you know, what is it called when you eat before you go drinking? Yeah, so, line your stomach. Line your stomach. Any of those things, he said, are a complete waste of time yeah. because no matter what happens, your body has to process the alcohol and that's what causes the hangover. This episode of Sober Awkward is proudly sponsored by Liars. Many years in the making, Liars offer an exquisite range of lovingly crafted non-alcoholic spirits. Yes, Liars provide us non-drinkers with an alternative to alcohol, so you can feel like you're getting a treat when socialising with your mates, but this time without the anxiety or any hint of a pesky hangover. And that is just marvellous, really, isn't it? It's amazing that you can have a nice drink and feel great in the morning. Um, So today we want to let you know about alcohol-free Margarita Day. AF Margarita Day is coming up on the 22nd of Feb, and Liars has two new alcohol-free tequilas on their online store, and customers can save up to 15% off their perfect margarita bundles. Ooh, roll on the 22nd of Feb, that's yeah. all I can say. Head to their range page at liars.com.au forward slash agave underscore tequila. Oh, you said that the posh Spanish way, agave. I, I always thought it was Agave. In fact, we should let the listeners know that is how you spell it, isn't it? Agave. A-G-A-V-E. Yeah, and I think that's the plant that they use as the extract. Yes. There are also some great mocktail recipes and free mixology classes on there, which you should definitely take advantage of. Mm, Yeah, I will for sure. With liars, wetting one's whistle on tequila won't give you a Sunday head of the dead, which of course is brilliant. Oh, and did we mention that they are rather delish? Yes, my husband made me the margarita last night. It was yummy. I like feeling like I'm having a treat, Lucy. Yeah. I just love seeing this AF drink scene explode with all these fantastic flavours and exciting alcohol replacements. So go on and get your discount, people. That's liars.com.au. Liars is L-Y-R-E-S, like the liars bird, the copying bird. So, yeah, they're copying alcohol drinks. I will add all the links in the show notes. Liars are quite simply the finest range of non-alcoholic classic spirits the world has ever seen. So, yeah, drinking water to, like between wines is a fallacy. fallacy. A fallacy and yeah. actually, that leads us on nicely because we're going to talk now actually about what causes the, hang- the anxiety. And you've got some a medical bit, haven't you? A medical yes. bit that you found that yeah, you're going to read Lucy out. Yeah, because Lucy and I do believe that there is a medical side and there, well, there is also is. an emotional side yeah. to this. So I'm just going to read you the medical side of what's going on inside you when you overdrink. Um, when you drink alcohol, two things in your brain are affected glutamate, which makes your brain more active, and GABA, um, which makes your where are we? Which makes your brain less active. Mm. With every drink, glutamate decreases and GABA increases, chilling you out, lowering your inhibitions and slowing your reaction time and causing you basically to work in slow-mo. The next day, as alcohol leaves your system, your brain works to get the balance back to be normal, but it over 
compensates. Glutamate spikes, making your brain hyperactive, which is a brilliant way of describing Mm. how the brain is when you're hungover. My brain was so hyperactive. While GABA, which would normally calm you down, is suppressed. So you've got no control about what's going on in your head. The reason some people get it and some people don't depends on so many factors. But no matter why, who, when or how, let's just start by saying it is normal to have anxiety. It's your body doing what it should be doing. It's a very common side effect of being a drinker. That's not to say it's okay because when you're deep in it, anxiety or anxiety can feel like that living nightmare you were talking about, Lucy. Yeah, so they're the things that are happening in the brain that actually make you feel physically awful and depressed. And on top of that, you've got this headache, you feel sick. You're physically unwell. Yeah. It's more the emotional side. So the first one here, we've got what causes anxiety for us. It was yeah. it was that. It was the cringe behaviour, wasn't it, Lucy? Oh, it was like, what did I do? Oh, God, some of the things that I got up to. I, I've, I've written in there in big red letters, Lucy, sex, because I know we haven't had the proper sex discussion yet, but like those one-night stands when you're in a blackout and then the guy's gone by the time you wake up and you lie in bed thinking maybe with scratches on your back or maybe mm. some weird bruise on your bottom. And even worse when the guy's still there. Yes, even worse. <laughs> I mean, that is going to cause you, especially if you turn over and he's got teeth like Barry Gibb. <laughs> we mustn't because we're, honestly, we're, we're, we're all part, part of it. We were the ones who were encouraging it, you know, and people, know. I'm sure people turned over and looked at us when we were oh, hung I'm over sure. and thought, what the hell? They probably looked over and did a runner, which is why they were never there in the morning afterwards. But some of the things I did, those things, like, oh, my God, what did I say? Why have I brought this guy home? Why has he gone? Why have I got this weird rash? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And it's a fear of not knowing and having to piece everything together. If you don't remember it and you know what you're like, I mean, we were a nightmare when we were drinking. So if you don't remember exactly what happened, you just assume the very worst. Yeah, your brain, because it's not working well, it goes to the worst possible scenario. So you think, God, I must have done this, I must have that. And because you don't know, you can't pinpoint it, so you can't solve it. So it's like a load of unsolved mysteries. It's like a murder (laughs) mystery, isn't it? A anxiety hangover. It's like you have no idea what you've done. I mean, you could have killed someone. You could have done all these terrible things but you don't know things like that do happen yeah you could have been arrested you could, have, you could have um uh, you know i don't you well i mean i say could have but like half the time these sort of things did actually happen yes i mean me and this year both been arrested at different times haven't yeah. we yeah um and uh you know and upset people and just generally lost jobs through nights out yeah um, so even if we've actually gone out and and for the rare occasion we got completely drunk and we didn't do anything wrong we're still left putting everything together and thinking the worst. And of course, what comes with that is that tiredness as well. You haven't slept properly and that just a sense of doom over everything. Everything's dark, everything's horrible. You don't look at your phone to see who you've called or who you've texted. Uh, You don't look at your bank account to see whether you've bought the whole bar drinks like you did that time, Vicar. It's just too terrifying to even look. I would actually leave stuff like that until the following day um, to deal with it when I was in a little bit, only a little bit of a better headspace. I say a little bit because often my anxiety would last several days. Yeah. Isn't it funny? I spoke to my best mate, Bogfish, yesterday in England. She phoned me on my birthday. And she, hello, Boggy. She, um, she, I asked her this question. I was like, what, how did you feel about your anxiety? And it was funny. It wasn't those things that we're talking about now. When she was hungover, she thinks about everything that's ever gone wrong in her life. 
Yeah. Like everything oh, from the past, that, yes. everything. So I'm with her. Every decision yeah. she's made, every regret she's made, when she's hung over, all of those things start, you know, like ghosts like coming down from yeah. the sky and sitting on her body. Everything she's ever done wrong. Imagine that in one day, everything you've ever done wrong coming down to haunt you like that. Yeah, I was hideous. Gonna, okay, I'm so glad you said that um, because can I read the bit from my book? Oh yes, it's a good time actually. <laughs> yeah, we were going to leave it till later. I was reading this book. It must have been about what four months ago now, Vic. Hey, yeah. And um, I found this bit in it, and I had to phone up Vic and say, "Oh my god," because I knew it would give her anxiety, but I had to share it with her. I said, "I've just read this bit in a book," and. God, it just really, really well explains how you feel the following morning with anxiety. It's a book that's set in the 1940s and this um, woman's gone um, into the room of the couple who are renting out um, a a space in her house and she ended up getting blind drunk with them. Um, She wakes up the following morning and it says, the memory of the glass of green liqueur made bile leap into her mouth. But what she tasted was gin and lemonade, gin and lemonade and black cigarettes. And gradually, then gradually, but relentlessly, like a series of bloated corpses surfacing in murky water, gradually the evening in the barber's room came back to her. Now, that was a trigger reading that, and I was reading it before I went to sleep and I couldn't get to sleep. But isn't that a brilliant way of describing how you feel the morning after? It's like a series of bloated corpses surfacing in murky water. Suddenly a reminder of the night before comes back to you and it is Hideous. Yeah, that is such a good yeah. analogy. Isn't yeah, it? I've been meaning to read that out for ages. Yeah. Um, but and also, what's interesting about that is it shows how easily we are triggered by the trauma of being hungover. Yeah. Just reading a book, trying to relax before you go to sleep, yeah. one sentence, and it's like brings it all back. Yeah. It's I think horrible. Any, any trauma that I feel now is related to this that we're talking about yeah. today. Mm. Any anxiety, any stress, anything that goes on in my life is related to anxiety. I particularly had to have a weak coffee this morning because I I knew we were talking about this and I didn't want to get over anxious. Only five shots. Yeah, (laughs) only five (laughs) shots this morning, yeah. Not that I'm addicted to, I have to be addicted to something. I think coffee's all right though. Yeah, that's all right. So, yeah, some of the other things that, you know, we were worried about offending people, not turning up for work, because we knew when we were hungover that we were going to have to pull a sickie. So you're not only worried about what you've done, you're worried about what you've got to do. So you're stuck in this no man's land in the middle where everything that's going to surround you from the past and the future is there out to get you, isn't it? Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. You don't want to look back and think, what have I done? But you can't bear to look forward and think, (laughs) what have I got to do? And then you've also, not only that, but you've got to face the people at work. techie guy that you've slept with or oh, like gosh, the awful yes. boss who yeah. wants to give you a hard time anyway or the or the jumped up control freak who wants to put you down because you're a terrible person. There's all those people at work, isn't there, that always want to, you know, say, oh, you were a bit fucked up last night, Lucy. You look like you were having a good time. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what do you mean? I was fucking wasted and made a tit out of myself. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, I knew that. Anyway, I yeah. do it every time. And when, you know, someone sends you the text message, how are you feeling this morning? <laughs> I'd never do that to anyone, no. however drunk they were. I will never do that to anyone now no. because it no. was horrible it was receiving horrible. those. It's just a few words, but it's got a million oh, insinuations to so it, hasn't many. it? Yeah, it's, it's heavy. <laughs> so heavy. Okay, let's move on and talk about how anxiety kind of 
felt for us. I mean, we've talked about the emotional side of it and the scientific side of it, but you know, the the thing, the actual physical things that happened to us when we had anxiety, Vic. How was how was it for you, my oh, dear? It was lovely. <laughs> Tell well, us about it. Well, one of the worst things for me was once I'd experienced the panic. What created it even more, apart from everything we've just talked about, was the fear of having it again. So it was panic about panic, anxiety mm. about anxiety. So even though I knew I was going out drinking, I was already dreading the Sunday in bed, which mm. recreated it. So I would wake up on that Sunday morning and just go, all oh, right, I'm going to be feeling like I did last week again. And that would just trigger it. Mm. So it was this never ending circle of drinking, panic, drinking, panic, drinking, panic, and worrying about the panic all inside of that. But Vic, it was your choice to carry on doing it and you carried on doing it isn't it crazy it's absolutely mental so the real feeling that I had generally when I was woke up in that state was an overwhelming sense of fear Mm. of the future the past the present the world around (laughs) me the coffee pot going off the tv making a weird sound you know everything made me jumpy yeah I didn't know who I was when I looked in the mirror when I was hung over I didn't recognize myself I didn't know I would be pale and bloated with red eyes and I think who are you it was a really horrible feeling looking in the mirror when you're hung over in the mirror the monster in the mirror like who are you what Mm. did you do um, and I always used to think, gosh, my sparkle has gone. Isn't it weird how I went out last night? I was all sparkly mm. and excitable and the life and soul of the party. And then look at me now, a, a, a shadow of my former glory. Mm. It was horrible. Flashbacks, I mean, the floating bodies there is, you know, bubbling up to the surface yeah. every two seconds. Even though I would squeeze my eyes shut and wish for them to go away, they always forced themselves into the centre of my mm. mind and I, I couldn't remember everything. So I, little bits of my night would pop into my head, freaking me out even more. I had the sweats, I had a fast pulse, my hands would tingle. It was like a wave of doom would sort of wave over me and I'd kind of go into this sort of anxiety state where... I just didn't know where I was or what I was doing. So it was a form of panic attack for me. It was like a, a state that I would get myself into that I couldn't come down from. Um, yeah, and I, I felt I in those moments that I lost control of my brain when I was hungover. Mm. I know it sounds quite no, far-fetched. It doesn't, not But to I me. felt like I didn't know what I was going to do next because I thought I'd lost control of my brain function. And a perfect example of that was once my parents were staying at my house down in Brighton. That period for me was a real anxiety period, just as I nearly left Brighton because of it, actually. Um, and my parents were there and I was hungover. And suddenly I just sat up and looked at them and said, I think you need to hold me down. I feel like I might jump out of the window. Wow. Luckily, I wasn't living in a bungalow because <laughs> that would have been all right. But I was living quite high up on a, in an ap- a, a, apartment and my parents were there and they were like, what is wrong with you? Obviously, because you can't see the panic. You just you can see it in my eyes, but you can't understand People it. People don't understand like, that you can get that bad. No, that's how bad it was. I mean, they had to hold me down because I felt like I'd lost control of my mind. I didn't want to hurt myself or kill myself. That wasn't my thinking, even though I have felt like that many other times. It was just that I I don't know what I'm doing and I feel like I might just suddenly jump out of the window for no reason. Well, you wanted to stop that horrendous feeling in your head. It's like, I will do anything to stop this feeling. I can't wait 24 hours for it to go. I need this feeling to stop right now. And that is why often we would reach for a drink. Of course. Because that would stop it. Anything to get rid of that feeling. So, yeah, the massive feeling of hypochondria when I was hungover, I... 
um, had a fear of swallowing my own tongue when mm. I was hungover. If I laid back, I thought I might swallow my own tongue. I mean, this is when I've been suffering from anxiety for months and months on end. For me, it didn't stop on the Sunday. It would leak into my early week, which led into Wednesday, Thursday. I'd drink Thursday and then the anxiety would come back. So the anxiety turned into anxiety for me, which became a daily thing that I had to try and get through. And usually drink was the answer until I stopped. So these are not small things I'm talking about here. This was mental torment that I had to go through all the time because of alcohol. Yeah, and what you've explained is exactly how I felt, Vic. Um, just I've only got really, you know, it was funny when we were doing the notes for this. Vic did the first set of notes, and then I was sort of putting in my points and thoughts and feelings around it. And I'd start typing, and I'd go, oh, Vic's already put that because yeah. I felt exactly the same. How you've described it is my anxiety, and I'm sure it's the same for so many people listening. I don't think. People who who don't drink heavily and don't experience anxiety, they just can't understand. So you saying to your mum and dad, hold me down, I feel like I'm going to jump out of the window. They must have thought you'd gone crazy. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I am not surprised by you saying that. I would feel the same. Um, And like you, I'd catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I'd look like a 90-year-old. My hands would be shaking like an elderly person. Agree with you about the brain. I could literally feel that brain cells had been killed. I couldn't sometimes string a sentence together. I couldn't Mm. think about something. My business is such that I have to work every single day. Like I couldn't even face emails in the inbox were just so stressful oh, a simple ping email. Of an email arriving or the phone going oh, God, yeah I just it's a simple thing that would just be something that I'd sort a out with 30 thing. seconds yeah. usually was like the whole world was falling apart for yeah. me so sometimes I would just leave them and that was a real problem for me running my business yeah vision as well sometimes I couldn't see properly I drank so much that the following day my vision was blurred teabagging yeah it was <laughs> I, I, yeah, I had a couple of tea bags on my eyes. Oh, okay, that's all then. <laughs> I didn't, didn't think to take them off. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder I couldn't see anything. No, I couldn't. And um, I mean, I, I felt like I literally couldn't do anything, oh, God, anything at all. And just an example of this, and I hope nobody's eating now because this is quite disgusting. I'm very ashamed, but I will share it because I think it shows the extent of how I felt. I stayed at a friend's one night and got very drunk and woke up the next morning and felt really ill. So made an exit. She was making breakfast. There was a few people that like, get out of the house. 20 minute drive back to mine. You know when you're driving along thinking, oh, I think I'm going to be sick. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be sick. Uh, should I pull over? You know, I ended up, I was on the on the Sunshine Coast Motorway, which is a dual carriageway, and there was nowhere to pull over. And I was coming up to a roundabout in the fast lane, and I projectile vomited mm. a lot, I, just driving along. It just came out. It was like something from a cartoon. Like the exorcist. It went down my steering wheel, all down my front, down all of my clothes. I could feel it warm on my feet. Oh. There was nothing I could do because I was just stuck on the on the dual carriageway, That's on the roundabout. Horrible just carried on driving about 10 more minutes home. I felt so awful, Vic, that I just got out of the car in the garage. I was parked in the garage, took all my clothes off, which were covered in vomit, dropped them on the floor next to the car, walked upstairs and got into bed, and I just left the whole lot in the car. Ugh. I had to clear because it Because you all. felt I couldn't even t- clear myself up. I just, I was just, Ugh. I can't even bear 
to be awake, to be in this living world a minute longer, even though I seriously had to sort that out. Uh, Yeah, I mean... How was it the next day of the car? I think I got up later on in the day and I cleaned it all and had to go and buy some of those smelly things to hang in it. Yeah, (laughs) but it was just... And again, that was the last year of me drinking. And that is terrible behaviour, isn't it? Carried on drinking. It's not terrible behaviour, Lucy, because that is a crazy version of you, a drunk version of you. It's not who you are, so... No guilt over these things, no regrets, because That's those right, things yeah. are what made you sober. So yes, and I yeah, I do remember that. I remember that when I drive up to that roundabout, yeah. I remember it, and I just feel the sense of relief that I'm no longer in that world. That can't happen to me again. I'm safe. Oh, you are safe. God, in the booth, in the in troll the booth. booth, safe in the booth. Bit hot in here. Oh, it's a bit hot. <laughs> I was wondering whether we might have to have a little pause in a minute. I'm, I'm sweltering. I might vomit on you actually. Oh, love nurses. We just want to thank you for everything you do. We are ShiftKey.com. Log on today and connect to open PRN shifts in your area. Work when you want, where you want. You can even get paid next day. ShiftKey.com. Start today. Lovely, lovely. Well, I'm quite used to it. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so why why are some people are more are more prone to it? We thought that was something quite important to discuss as yeah, well. Yeah, because we weren't really sure, were we? Like whether it's because we're big drinkers or whether perhaps if you have a bit of anxiety before. Yeah. Um, it can depend on how shy you are, I guess. Perhaps over drinking to compensate social awareness, have a more sensitive system, which I know we both do. If you're drinking while on other medications, that can affect your anxiety. Or if you're low in folic acid, diet, dehydration, poor sleep, nervous disposition, and fear of ferrets. Oh no, I added that fear ferrets. of ferrets. Yeah, sorry. I just like <laughs> to mention rodents. Tell me there. <laughs> I do. No, hen, no, that's hen anxiety. Oh not yes, fear hen ferrets. anxiety, not ferret anxiety. <laughs> ferrets are fine. Ferret fear is a different thing. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting what you just said there, Vic, about how you know perhaps you experience anxiety more if you are an anxious person naturally. Mm-hmm. Something that we were discussing discussing was we don't actually know we would both class ourselves as anxious people now wouldn't we I'm quite anxious I'm aware yeah that I have anxiety we don't know if we have a natural disposition to being anxious because we have drunk heavily all of our adult life from ages 14 and 15 yeah right through to our 40s so yes we suffer from anxiety now which we both believe is a kind of a carry-on from our anxiety yes the sober hangover which you can listen to is one of our earlier podcasts as we talk about the 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 post-trauma of being a drinker yes and what one of those symptoms is anxiety. So neither of us actually know if we started out in this on this planet as anxious people and that's why our anxiety was so bad because we never had a chance to recognise no. who we were naturally. No. Isn't that mad? It's sad. And I don't think I would have anxiety at all or anxiety in my drinking days. I don't think I would have been an anxious person. It's all related to alcohol for yeah. me. I think so. I don't know. I have got anxiety in my family, so I think I might have been, but nothing like I am now. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, we, it can depend on how much you drink. Like we were over drinking every time. So we were really poisoning our bodies. And of course, that's going to make your anxiety worse. If you have one glass of wine, you're probably not going to get anxious. If you have 10 or 15, like we probably did sometimes, especially at a wedding, and then it was two days and then three days, you know, we were massively over drinking. So that was poisoning our bodies and our brains, which made us feel mentally unwell. Yeah, you can't do that to your body and get away with it. Nope. Um, the other thing is if you're an overthinker, a natural overthinker, I am. I am too. And I have to, I mean, we sometimes have to stop one another, don't we? Yeah, you know, even now. On, enough. Enough. Yes, yeah, stop, stop going on about yeah. that bloody dish that your teenage daughter didn't put in the dishwasher. Stop <laughs> going on about it. It doesn't yeah. matter. Stop thinking about all the different situations around that dish and yeah. why she should have put it away and what you should say to her. Overly analytic. Yes. Of, of everything, yes. yeah, which is very boring and annoying inside my own brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If your behaviour when annihilated um, was awful, then definitely you're going to have more anxiety. So if you're one of those people who was the life and soul but also felt the need to entertain, a people pleaser, you would generally be doing more outrageous actions, whether that was to sleep with someone, do a stupid dance. You know, once I was at a gay club and I climbed on top of this massive, like, Trojan horse, like it was a bronze, beautiful statue, and was riding on it. And like, no one else was doing that there. I just woke up the next morning, I got chucked out by the bouncers, so embarrassed, and I remember the next day just going, oh, my God, what was I doing? So the, the, your actions throughout the evening will depend on how bad your anxiety is the yes, next day. You know how badly you behave. So when yeah. you're filling in the gaps, you fill them in with the worst yeah. because of your own behaviour. So if you're that sort of person who goes out and has to do something outrageous, yeah. like get on that horse or yeah. whatever that might be, I mean, I can think of a million different things, then you're going to fill in the gaps with horrendous behaviour. I remember the text message coming the next morning saying been riding any bronze statues recently, Vic? I was like, what? You know, you don't that, forget. And then did I, it come back? Yeah, and I didn't remember. And then I was like, oh my God, I got up on that massive... Vision of you. And then a vision of me being kicked out and by an angry bouncer. Oh God. Awful. Oh. But I mean, how awful is that? But gosh, I'm sure there was a lot worse. I'm sure there was. That was that was the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Very unstable, Lucy. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit nervous it was a horse and joke. anxious. And I've got I had a, a horse choke then. Oh God, unstable. oh sorry, go on. Oh, ah! Oh! <laughs> Oh, good. I'm glad you like I'm glad you like my horse jokes. Oh, I like it. <laughs> oh, that's so good. My ex-husband says I'm like Alice from The Vicar of Dibley with jokes. If it anyone's watched The while. Vicar of Dibley, then you'll know what I mean. That's why it took me a while, but it was a good joke. Thank I like you, it. Thank you, thank uh, you. Another reason is your general mental health. I think if you've got, a, if you're slightly unstable with your mental health, probably not the best way to put it, but I'm unstable with my mental health, but I believe it's all been brought on by alcohol, then you're going to suffer more from anxiety and anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah, definitely. Also, yeah, as we're saying, it depends if you naturally suffer from anxiety as well. If you're an anxious person, you know, we don't know the answer, but I think we've, we've what we're discovering is by doing this podcast and just by generally talking a lot to people that that have anxiety, usually they are slightly anxious before they go out, even because they're anxious about socialising yes. anyway. 
So that can cause it. So a lot of people drink when they're out because they 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 have a fear of of socialising. Socially awkward. Yeah. Socially sober awkward. Feel yeah. the fear and do it anyway. That's why we say that because that's what we feel now. Like we still yeah. feel the fear, but now we're capable of getting on with things and getting over the fear, whereas we weren't when we were drinkers or just not going out the house. Yeah, which Lucy does all the time. <laughs> queen of the hermits. <laughs> that's me. She's the queen of the hermits. Hold on, I came to your birthday lunch. You did. You so did I well. Won't, I won't have it I yeah. will not have it you did um so we've kind of covered it a bit already but let's just talk a little bit about you know what's it like being a person with anxiety how did it feel for us life for life in general so we're really digging back into our past yeah into this, a horrible this place. was horrible writing yeah. this bit because I remember feeling like I was a fucking weirdo mm. I remember thinking god why is everybody else co- coping with this the aftermath of booze, and I'm not. People would say, look, it's just a hangover. You're a lightweight. Let's get back on it. And I would just be, I just couldn't understand it. What? Why am I such a weirdo? And because with hangovers or anxiety, you can't see the pain that someone's in. And I was in pain, basically, mm. inner pain. And I don't, feel that I was validated in my anxiety, which made it worse because people weren't, oh, I'm sorry you're feeling like that. They were like, come on, what's wrong with you? I literally would have rather, as I said before, like somebody cut me on the face or stab me on the eye so I can go, look, here's my pain. Can you heal it? Can you take me somewhere to a hospital or a therapist and and heal my pain? Whereas when I was hungover, I was in that same level of pain, but it wasn't physical, it was mental. And that was a really hard thing to deal with because people didn't understand me. So I isolated my myself in the end because I wasn't going out as much because I felt such fear and I lost friends and it was all very traumatic um so yeah being a person with anxiety is difficult because other people don't understand it and I got actually a bit agoraphobic from it which means I I went wanted to stay in a lot of the time because I knew what was going to happen if I did go out and drink I would end up with the same level of fear so I did cut myself off um but I remember I used to lay in bed all day waiting to smoke a cigarette Ooh. Oh, I know. It was so horrible. It was like well, you self-torture. Wanted to you wanted to I smoke I wanted to one. smoke because having a cigarette when I was hungover meant that I was feeling better. So I wanted to get to the point where I felt well mm. enough to be able to keep down the vomit and have a cigarette. Oh, what a oh, terrible Lucy. sort of goal. What sort of goal is that I to don't have? know. I'm just, it was just crazy to think about all this this week. Mm. My goal when I was hungover was to be able to smoke a cigarette and well not vomit. To be well enough to smoke a cigarette. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it just made everything worse. When I felt it, it was like a whirlwind inside my head. There was never any peace or calm. And Mm. that's what it felt like on a day-to-day basis when I was hungover, that I was in this whirlwind inside my brain that I couldn't stop. It was like the epicentre of a storm, a hangover for me. It was hideous. Um, Yeah, and I questioned every night I went out. I'd be like, oh, yeah, let's go out for a fun night. And then the fun night wasn't that, was it? No. It was just a blackout. It we was one know. nice drink. We had no drink. idea if it was fun or not because no. we weren't really there. So being a person with anxiety meant that I was a person that was a huge drinker, which meant that I would never really experience anything, that I was never present in the moment. I wasn't fully enjoying myself. I was drunk and then I had to deal with the come down. So all of it was a total Mess. Yeah, <laughs> very well put, Vic. I, yeah, and I and I can I I agree again with all of those points. Just to add some on of my own, having anxiety was like almost having 
another job, another 40 hour job a week because it took so long to deal with it. And it was so all consuming. Um, You had. I had to end up, you know, by the end of my drinking days, I was working my entire life, had to revolve around my anxiety because I knew if I stay at home tonight and I drink two bottles of wine, that tomorrow morning I'm going to have anxiety for the entire day, possibly for part of the next day as well. So that's like a day and a half out of my life that I have to account for somehow and get all my other stuff of being a mum and running a business and all the other things I had to do, had to work around that. It was so bloody time-consuming, oh, having anxiety. And the turmoil of it, like you having to separate that time for something terrible. Yes. Like imagine if you... Put could, it aside. Now I put aside that, those days to do joyful things. You yes. know, I do... I ha- I make time to do good things like pottery or go for a walk or all those lovely positive things. But imagine we were making time... To the, feel like the, shit. The Sunday was blocked out of my diary because I knew I was going to feel like shit. Yes. So I was making time to feel mentally yeah. unwell. Yeah. It's so time consuming and it's such a waste of our precious lives. I mean, I would, I think that's where a lot of my introvert and unhealthy introverted habits came from, Vic. I was just, I couldn't go out. I could not go out and see anybody mm. when I was hungover. I really couldn't face a person. The only or people look them I could, in the eye. Yeah, anyone. The most I would do is go and get a bottle of wine. Mm. Um, or I would, obviously, if my kids were at home, I would talk to them. But really, in order to do that, I had to have another drink. Mm. Um, so that was, you know, not only was I starting to drink at home, but I had to deal with my anxiety at home as well. So then you're going out even less than you were before. Um, you know, we've talked about feeling pathetic, worrying about the little things like you said. You know, you might go out with a mate and they feel all right. They might feel a bit rough, but by midday they're up and on it, looking yep. after their kids. But you're not. Why can't I do this? Is there something wrong with me? Why am I weak? Probably we drunk three times as much as them. We did. That is probably why we felt like that. Um, You know, it is something that, you know, really, really triggered me while I was drinking. You know, I I felt very depressed a lot of the time and it triggers me now as a sober person. And certainly, like I say, reading a sentence from a book brings it all up. Mm. And um, when I see anyone around me who's hungover or I see anyone on Netflix or anything I'm watching or listening to or reading about, it's not people drinking it's a hangover bit that's a problem for me. Yeah. And we were talking earlier, you mentioned, Vic, about how you don't want to think about your past. Your past is horrible and how your mate Bogfish was saying that everything about her life would come piling in on her and it was all awful. And it made me think of my best mate, Rachel, in the UK. Mm. We used to have conversations whereby we would talk about our sordid and crazy party past and all the amazingly terrible things we had done while traveling and clubbing and partying and things like that. And I remember several times she would look back and she'd she'd say, it was great. We had so much fun. You know, we're mums now. We've we've calmed down a bit. Um, And, um, you know, she'd look back with a really positive light. We had fun while we were young. It was great. I would look back at exactly the same story and hate it. Yeah. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I wish it hadn't happened. And that was a huge chunk of my life yeah. I hated. Now, fast forward to being sober for nearly a year and a half, I look back at my party days and I'm glad I had them. Yeah. So that was a place in my head that I'd gone to that was really bad. Rachel wasn't there. 
I was in a horrible place with my anxiety. And Rachel, she was my partner in crime. She didn't suffer like me. She was the one who would get up yeah. and we'd be travelling. She'd get up, get us into the mini mini bus we were travelling in. And she was the one who would drive us while I was sitting in the passenger seat, like retching up into a bowl. Yeah. She, and you, she'd get fed up with it. I, why is it always me who has to look after you? But she was handling it and I wasn't. And that goes to show that some people do struggle more yeah. than others. It's funny. Um, for my birthday my friend Vic um, who lives in Perth she had made a collection of photographs of um, me to send me for my birthday like a Facebook mm. um, oh yes those dreaded <laughs> yeah but she actually emailed me and said I've decided not to send you that because I realised that it might be a bit triggery for oh, you how nice of her yeah and she said I was going to post it on your Facebook page but I decided against it and she, I said don't worry about it you send it to me privately that's fine I'll have a look and I actually looked and you know I did look like I was having a good time I was I was like in the midst of it we were all cool and trendy and really good mates and we were having a laugh and, and I didn't feel too triggered by it because in the pictures I wasn't too off my head mm. but I think if I if I had been I do sense a, a feeling of sadness for that person occasionally so it was really nice and thoughtful of her to actually just not post it and go oh yeah this was funny because actually some of it wasn't funny we were all overdoing it and probably treating ourselves a little bit badly I mean it was fun looking back but it would have probably been nicer just to have been more present at those times and had yes. proper friendships I mean we were we are still all good mates now and Bogfish and Vic were all like all worked in the same pub together and we still still have this huge bond but sometimes I do wonder wouldn't it have been nice if we had gone for a walk or done all yes. these kind of more boring yeah. things that we ni- consider wouldn't now it would be nice if we actually remembered some of it yeah, rather yeah. than just looking at photos and thinking yeah. when did that happen yeah, who is that and how yeah. would you feel if they had have been posted on Facebook uh, they weren't too bad so I would have been alright but like you know it was just nice to be thought about and cons- uh, it was yeah. very consider of a considerate of her to think maybe I wouldn't be so that but actually I'm fine with it because as you say that's the things that don't trigger me being in those drunken moments it's the anxiety that triggers me which is a problem yeah Yeah. exactly so let's talk about what we did to reduce the anxiety or we tried yeah everything (laughs) we tried to reduce anxiety this is you know while we were drinking we talked earlier about how I was reading a book and it said have salmon for dinner the night before you go out drinking that didn't work. Don't bother trying it, anybody. Let's talk about some other things that we might have tried to kind of stop our anxiety. Well, everybody always said, didn't they, breathe into a paper bag. I was like, breathing into a paper (laughs) bag is not going to get rid of the fact that I fucking want to kill myself. I think I'd throw up in the paper bag instead. I could only ever find a Tesco bag and I'd have this like huge plastic (laughs) Tesco bag. I think I'd be more tempted to put it over my head and tie it up at that (laughs) point in my anxiety. It was awful. Terrible. Um, Hypnotherapy was another thing I tried. Um, I I just didn't feel it. You know when you just don't feel it. The lady was talking and I was just thinking about something else. I even tried life regression therapy. Where yeah. everyone's either Genghis Khan or a Cleopatra, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. I'm like, oh, why won't, aren't you just like a peasant that lives <laughs> didn't in work. That 1850? Didn't work. <laughs> no, that didn't work. I totally switched off. I had acupuncture when I was suffering from anxiety because I just couldn't get rid of it. It didn't work. It might work for some people, that one, though. So mm. don't don't be put yeah, off these by these things. These didn't work for us, but we were suffering. We were extreme cases, we weren't were, we? Yeah, nothing really worked. One thing I used to do was try moderation. Of course, that never, ever worked for me because I'd always start off with one glass of wine as I always say with my pinky finger sticking out and being all all superior and then I'd end up on a bathroom floor with covered in vomit Mm. so 
moderation never worked, so I always had anxiety the next day. Yeah. We've got an episode about moderation. If yes, the moderation pixie. More, Go yeah. and listen to that. How, how rubbish me and Lucy are at moderation. <laughs> um, the other thing I used to do was I just used to in, lie on the bed and invite it in. I used to say, come on, anxiety. Come and get me, you Did motherfucker. You? You are I, I just brave. Yeah, I just, because it used to get so bad, I used to think, really, this is just my brain. I knew it was my brain causing it. And I'd just have to go, come on, come and get me, do your worst. What is the worst that's going to happen? That did work occasionally because, of course, nothing happened. Mm. I didn't spontaneously combust or anything mm. like that. It was just my brain telling me that I was unwell, which I sort of knew. I knew I was in control of it, but the alcohol made me unable to control mm. it. Um, I just, In the end, I just used to hide under my quilt, smoking weed and eating, like... Mm. That's what I felt like was going to cure it. But, of course, that was making it worse. In the end, I had cognitive behavioural therapy, which did work. But I, I stopped drinking for a year at that stage. Um, and, of course, it was that that actually yes. worked, whether or not it was the cog- cognitive behavioural therapy. But that helped me understand that it was me in control of my anxiety and anxiety. It wasn't anything else because it used to make me feel like it was an outside source. I used to feel like it was other things that were making me anxious. Whereas in fact, yeah. it's, it's coming from you. Created it all yourself. You're creating it in your brain. It's yeah. not the environment or how much, you, well it can be how much you drink that makes it worse, but it's not the things that have happened. It's you worrying about the things that have happened. And I learned when I did cognitive behavioural therapy how to control those neural pathways and take myself more on a positive path rather than a negative path. So I think if you are suffering from anxiety, that is a really good thing to do. And in the end, actually, I did take medication for my anxiety and ongoing anxiety. I ended up on antidepressants um, and that did help me at certain points in my life. Um, Yeah, and there was a point where I ended up in a cult. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Really? Yes, for a short period, yeah. Well, That's a whole other story, Lucy. No, but... I, come on, just give us a brief rundown. Well, you I just was feeling say, so I awful. I not know this about you. Well, I was feeling so awful. It's in my book. There's a big chapter on it in my book. But, like, I ended up feeling so awful all the time and not understanding, like we were talking about, why everybody else was coping and I mm. wasn't. And there was this thing in the paper that was like, come on a therapy weekend and learn to break free from all of your fears. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds perfect. So I went up to York, somewhere up north of England, and I sat in a room with loads of strangers and handed over my mental power to a cult leader. (laughs) Did you know you were doing that at the time? I didn't know at the time. (laughs) I felt like there was this really charismatic guy who was making me step out of my comfort zone. You know, I got up on a stage at the end and told the whole 2,000 people there my three deepest secrets... Um, And the whole thing was about breaking you down. Um, And, you know, you had a buddy there and you sat in a circle and you discussed all your issues and you felt for the first time I felt understood because nobody could see my anxiety. I felt like these people understood me and I'd found my tribe. It was only a weekend that I was away for. um, And when I finished the course for the weekend, I was like, yes, this is, I found what is going to make me feel better. And my anxiety cleared up and I got home and I was living in Brighton at the time. It's towards the end of my Brighton years after I really so went you mental. Were, you were still drinking. I was, I think I'd slowed down a bit because the anxiety had got so bad. I had decided to try and slow down a little bit because I just couldn't. And also I'd cut myself up 
off from everybody a little bit then. Mm. I'd moved into an apartment on my own. I'd always lived with mates and I wasn't functioning well. I was really quite ill. I'd shaved all my head. I was doing a bit of a Britney. I wasn't well. Mm. I seriously wasn't well caused by anxiety. Caused by drinking. Caused by drinking. And I ended up doing everything they'd told me to do. Um, There was like a course that you had to follow. And, you know, one was you had to introduce yourself to a stranger every day. You had to make your bed. You had to do this. And throughout the weeks afterwards, I started to question, why am I doing something? Why are all my mates okay? And I feel like I need to do what this guy said, this, you know, charismatic leader, because I felt like, God, this is going to make my life better. And actually, I started to question it very, very quickly. I was like, well, why is everyone else okay? And I'm not. Why do I feel like I need to do all these errands and do all these things to make myself okay? And the crux of it was like, why do I feel like I need to pay a thousand pounds to go to the next course? Mm. So it was obviously this kind of pyramid scheme where you moved up within the therapy um, group, which is Mm. what it was called. Um, and I started to question that because I didn't have any money. I was a student. I was like, I wanted. To, I was going to my parents. Can I borrow some money? I need to be on this course. I need to move up in this therapy thing. And anyway, I started to question it and I phoned up a cult hotline in a newspaper and said, hello, uh, I'm Victoria and I got involved in a group. I think it's okay. It's just a therapy thing. And the lady said, oh, Victoria, we know a lot of families that have lost children to that cult. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And so I knew from that point that I was actually involved in... It actually stemmed from the Californian cults in America. They disguised themselves as therapy sessions, like therapy weekends. Um, yeah, and everything about it was about breaking you down to make you yes. vulnerable, yeah. which is exactly what they did. So they can they then did. take control. Yeah, it was very clever. I wasn't in it for very long. It was lucky yeah. that you managed to see really quickly, but also yeah. it goes to show how desperate you were for desperate. some form of support because no one was understanding how you were feeling because you were in this state that really heavy drinkers get into. Yeah. And in those days, there weren't podcasts like this. There no. weren't sobriety books saying, hey, I feel there like it. Nothing. So we were so alone and we really felt that we had a problem. So I can really understand you turning towards something like that and thinking, someone gets me. Yeah. For the first time, somebody understands what I'm going through. There's other people here with anxiety and anxiety that are suffering and I felt wow this is amazing people get me for the first time it's scary that that happens it's scary and I mean let's just make a point don't join a cult yes don't join a cult that's not one of our pieces question everything Vic's done that for us all (laughs) yeah (laughs) so none of us need to do it I took some good things away from it actually strangely enough like some certain points of it they make it sound like it's good and you're doing good so of course you take some good things away from it but the control factor was, was I, I questioned it very early on, so yeah. that was good. Yeah. And all part of the journey, Vic. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting yeah. time. Got a good story. Yeah, exactly. You know, I love a good story, We Lucy. love a good story. And, you know, if we, we have to go through all of these things and try a million things that don't work. Like I've tried, I think, 20-plus therapists that haven't worked. Yeah. How much time and money is that? I don't look back with regret. No, it's it all was just part of, part it. of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, yeah, I haven't really got anything to add about how no. to get over anxiety apart from just wait. 
Yeah. You just have to sit and wait. And I put in the meantime, my life would spiral down whilst I was consumed by fear, depression and dread. Let me just block out a couple of days to be consumed by fear, depression and dread. Oh, and then, oh, and, and also <laughs> I'll go to that party next Friday. Yes. Tick, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to go to that party. Instead of just blocking out Friday night, I better block out every day till the following Tuesday. And then I'm going to feel on like Wednesday, shit. there's two for one cocktails down at the seafront yeah. bar. So I'll book myself into that. <laughs> After I've got over the fear, <laughs> dread and depression. <laughs> I mean, that's how bonkers it is. That's what we were doing. Yeah. Um, look, so we've we've gone through some things that we tried, Vic certainly tried, um, and I did as well to try and overcome anxiety. And we're quite upfront to say that nothing worked for us. Um, but there are some ways, some more sort of professional uh, ways that you can try and deal with anxiety if you are still drinking. Um, and we'll just go through those. Yeah, so one is meditation, breath work and yoga. So anything that's going to make you feel more relaxed. But, you know, you just... I mean, I started meditating. How can you meditate when you've got anxiety and you're drinking? There's no space available in your head to do that. I think perhaps they're saying, like, try it because it could be something that might work. It wouldn't have worked for me. No. Because it would have made my chatter probably worse. But I think for some people it might work. I meditate daily now. Mm. I do it so, but I couldn't have done it in my drinking days. But, yeah. Yes, it might work for some. Put together um, a feel-good list of positive affirmations as to why you're a good person. Um, Vic, you've put here, don't do the list while you're hungover. <laughs> the list would be like, I, I'm not a good person. I yeah. hate myself. Yeah. I was riding a golden horse last <laughs> night. <laughs> I mean, yeah, those positive My affirmations. My car is full of vomit. Yeah. <laughs> They weren't many of them, were they, when I was hungover? So, yeah, so do the list when you're um, feeling good. Yeah, because then you remind yourself that you're actually an all right person and what you've done really isn't that bad. Mm. Staying in the present moment, like that's what we're saying there. Living in the past creates depression and living in the future creates anxiety. Mm. Try the now if you can. Yeah, progressive muscle relaxation. So this is about finding a quiet location, close your eyes and slowly... Are you doing this with me? I'm doing it now, yeah. I'm doing it with my arsehole. (laughs) I'm clenching. (laughs) I thought we were going to get to the end of this without without... any mention of our rear ends. No. (laughs) We failed again. Close your eyes and slowly tense and then... (laughs) I can't do it now. Anyway, I'm not going to read it out. Progressive muscle relaxation. Look it up on the internet. Yeah, look it up. (laughs) Um, Healthy eating and general healthy lifestyle, of course. I mean, that leads on to our big reveal, doesn't it? Yes, it it does. Um, Also, face what's making your anxiety worse. Um, This can help and it can also go the other way. So, you know, phone a friend that you might have offended. Um, Go and see the bouncer. Pay for the taxi. (laughs) Pay the taxi firm to clean out the car that you vomited over. Um, But, you know, actually... Interestingly enough, sometimes that would make my anxiety better if I spoke to a friend who I was out with and they also felt as bad as me. Yes. That would it's like actually you're shifting the blame a little yeah, bit. And we would have a bit of a laugh. Yes, yeah, more about of a it. communal shame. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> communal shame is much more easy to deal with, especially if they've done something even worse than yes. you and they can remember less. Yes, you so do that's feel our advice better. Is push the blame onto someone else. <laughs> I love the way we give so, such good advice. Yeah, on so this. we have got a cure for anxiety there. Yeah. Push the blame. We always say go out with a friend who drinks more yeah. than you. Yes. It makes you feel better. Yeah. I wish I'd gone out with you more, Lucy. Yeah. We would have been great. We would have been a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Challenge yourself talk. Can you distract the inner chatter? A walk might help. Yeah. Nope. 
No, you can't. No. <laughs> but you can try. A walk is going to be better than staying at home it lying really on the is. couch. Yes, yeah. and fresh air. And just looking around, looking at the trees, looking at the wildlife, looking at other people, yeah. just takes you out of your own head. Actually, even birds would have made me feel mental. Like, yeah. I would have been looking at them going, oh my God, there's a yes. bird. I used to have this guy who had a leaf blower and oh. he used to use it really early in the morning and, and just morning. blow away leaves that weren't there in the next door neighbour's property. God, I hated him. But oh. it would actually focus my... My hate and depression onto something else rather than myself. <laughs> Actually, looking back, I was quite thankful for him. He does it now and I don't care. I'm like, oh, well, if he wants to do it, that's fine. Good for him. Yeah. Funny how your mindset changes in Gosh, sobriety. Yeah. Any noises or anything horrible, yeah. like drill, a drill going off or a fire alarm when you're hungover. Hatred. Oh, my God. I remember cars <laughs> with alarms going off outside How the loud house. are they? <gasps> or just someone talking. Even someone talking. in your ear. <laughs> Could have been Shut up! Stroking your face with a feather. <laughs> Get off, I'm being abused, I can't handle it. <laughs> um, but, Vic, it's time for our big reveal. Oh, yes, you've probably guessed it by now. The answer you've been waiting for, the cure for hangover anxiety is to give up drinking completely. Yeah. Sorry, folks, it really is the only way. Absolutely, it is the only way, or at least cut back. Yeah. We're cutting back. We were too late. We were still we were suffering too badly from anxiety. Cutting back didn't really help. But depending yeah. on where you are with your drinking, just do whatever you can to lessen that and yeah. and stop because you don't get the benefits of sobriety if you don't stop completely. That's right. Drinking is what is causing it. So as neither of us drink anymore, yay! Little clap, yay. Vic. Woo. Neither of us drink anymore. Round of applause. <laughs> Round of applause for us. <laughs> And everybody listening who's stopped drinking and everybody who's about to stop drinking, uh, we don't get anxiety, but it's left its mark as we both struggle with anxiety and we live in fear of ever having the dreaded feeling of anxiety again. How does that affect your life now, Vic? I just plop straight back into it sometimes, which I don't... I love the word plop, it's perfect for that. I go ploppy and I... Is that PTSD or that sober hangover that we've talked about before? Mm. I... My anxiety, whenever I feel anxious, I plop back into a hangover. Um, and that's what's caused me to have a little bit of anxiety throughout my life. If anything bad happens, if I'm tired, it definitely does creep up on me. Anxiety creeps up on me, even though I'm sober. Mm. Um, but I'm able, because I'm sober, to recognise that monster that's pace- pacing around in the back of my brain. I'm much better at dealing with it. And, you know, I'm 95% more capable of looking after myself I'm strong basically I'm strong enough to deal with that anxiety monster who who you know is is looming over me some days um yeah, and I don't feel like killing myself. I don't feel suicidal. Great, I don't glad feel to hear like that. Vicky. Yeah, I mean that's the difference. <laughs> really pleased. Thank you. I mean that is the difference. Is that I don't feel like that anymore. Yeah. I don't generally want. I don't feel bad about myself because I've got nothing to feel shame about. I haven't done anything stupid. I've gone to bed at half past eight with a cup of tea, so there's not much to worry about there. No. Um, which is great. Um, I know if I'd carried on drinking, Lucy, as I said earlier, I would not have survived this. I would not have survived the anxiety. I don't think the drink would have. Killed Killed me. I think the anxiety would have done. But it's a drink that's causing the anxiety, yeah, so isn't it's, it? It's, yeah. it's played its part. Yeah, I as I, we were saying, we both we both suffer from anxiety now. And when I get that, I tend to think of my anxiety, and I think I feel anxious. But then I think back to my anxiety, and it actually makes makes me deal better with my anxiety because I think this is 
nothing like that. I got through many, many, many days of my life with anxiety. If I can do that, I can deal with some mild anxiety that's happening to me now. So I sometimes yep. use it as a measure. Yes, that's good. That's definitely a good way yeah. to deal with it. So you know you've been through that. You can get through anything, exactly, quite honestly. Yeah. And it's the same with tiredness. I really struggle with sleep and tiredness and anxiety now because I know a lot of my anxiety was caused through lack of sleep. So if I haven't slept well, I'll wake up and I, I feel anxiety if mm. I haven't slept. I have to talk myself through it and think, okay, I haven't slept. I haven't had my seven hours, which I really, really need. But I haven't drunk two or three bottles of red wine and done knockbacks or anything like that. So you're capable. So again, I'm measuring it out against what I used to be doing to what I am doing. And then I'm like, I can handle this. Yeah. All the tips we talked about for maybe trying to manage your anxiety, those are the sort of things I would use for my everyday anxiety yeah. that I get now. And as we were saying before, when I was typing out my points to read out and to think about and to chat about in this podcast, I did have a banging headache from a anxiety dream the night before and it really reminds me of the deep trauma I still suffer and probably will do from anxiety and that is really something that's going to happen throughout my sober world but I can manage it because I'm strong and I'm sober Um, I'm very very easily triggered the dead bodies popping up in the Mm. murky waters people around me with hangovers again like I mentioned earlier the hangovers not the drinking I can handle a drunk person no worries Mm. but a hungover person in front of me especially somebody I care about yeah I don't want to feel they don't feel like I did but but I worry yeah you don't want them to feel like you did I hate the thought of anyone feeling like that it's funny what those points that you're making there, you, what we're both saying here is the anxiety and how awful it was is what has made us both sober. Yes. So it, we're not saying it's a terrible thing. It was actually our bodies saying, stop this. You are destroying yourself. Whenever you drink, you are destroying your mental equilibrium. You are breaking down your brain. You are absolutely destroying yourself. And that is what has led us both to seek support and get sober. So don't look at your anxiety, even though we hate it and we felt anxious about writing about it and we feel horrible talking about it even. Those are the things that will push you towards the light, aren't they, Lucy? Yeah, brilliantly said, Vic. I'll say it in a very short way. Anxiety is what stopped me drinking. Anxiety is what keeps me sober. Exactly. So it was worth going through the hell of yeah. it to have got sober and to live a better life. Yeah, it's so simple. I mean, it sounds like we hate anxiety, but actually I'm really thankful for going through that because I would not be the person I am today without it. Well, it's I, what, that quote, something about it's our struggles that give us our strength. Yes. And that's very true of anxiety. Yeah. But we've got some tips for you today. We're nearly over, Vic. We're nearly over. That's very hard. Nearly done it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anxiety could be occurring for many reasons because you are timid in a crowd and over drinking or you're an overthinker whose inner chatter works overtime after a heavy session. The most likely reason you suffer so greatly in the aftermath of booze is because you have an alcohol use disorder. Um, So be honest with yourself about alcohol and what it's doing to you. Then take the steps to get help. 
Yes, as we we're just saying, you can use anxiety as the key to the sobriety door. Sundays are for living, not dying in bed eating junk food. This is your chance to change. Saying to friends and family, I'm giving up alcohol because it's giving me anxiety, is a reason that no one can argue with. So even if that lock still feels a little stiff, persevere and the results will speak for themselves. At some point in our lives, Vic and I felt like anxiety would rule us forever, but it didn't. We decided not to let fear rule who we were. You don't have to be a victim of alcohol anymore. It does not represent you. Remember, you are more than a hangover and you are more than drinking. It's as simple as this. You can alleviate anxiety from your life by stopping drinking. Yep. Listen to your body like we did. What is it trying to tell you? Tune into anxiety and learn from it. Anxiety is a result of drinking too much and hanging on to things that are out of alignment with your soul. So let's get our souls in line, people, and ditch the bottle. Make healthier choices and give that beautiful body and mind a chance to heal. Actually, Lucy, I think our souls are already in line, aren't aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, another play on words. Very clever. I've got a quote for you from my... So I had to lean down and get my phone then. I've got a quote from Viz, my favourite I love this quote. This is the best quote of the whole, all of the entire podcast. It pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah. So this is our letterbox on Viz magazine, and it's a letter from Sean Magic Lord in Schofield Penge. Go on, Vic, I love it. (laughs) On Sunday morning, I borrowed my flatmate's Fido Dido Hangover Heaven Bubble Bath, which purports to make you feel better the morning after a night out on the town. I fail to see, however, how a bottle of foam bath could ever remove the shame of pissing in the centre pocket of a pool table, being thrown out by the doorman, not being able to see, getting undressed in a kebab shop and shitting the bed, the stain of which will remain with me for some time to come. Those stains that we created in our yeah, lives. They'll remain with us forever, with us. but we've yeah. got to look at them differently. Yeah. And it's exactly what we've been, not only is that a really funny quote, but it's exactly what we've been talking about, which yeah. is you, nothing touches the sides with anxiety. You can try so hard to find a way to, we want, we want to have our cake and eat it. We want to drink and not have anxiety. It doesn't happen. Doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a book here um, that I read a while ago. It's not particularly about anxiety, but it is about anxiety. So all of the tips in there would possibly relate to it. It's by Joshua Fletcher. It's called Anxiety, Panicking About Panic. This is a revolutionary self-help book for people who suffer from various symptoms of anxiety. The book acts as an informative guide and draws from experience of the author and counsellor Joshua Fletcher, who live with anxiety disorder for years before successfully overcoming the condition so yeah check that out i'll put that in the show notes as well as all the lies stuff and all the links for the cocktail the mocktails sorry and the mixology classes and everything that'll be all be on the show notes for you brilliant thanks for doing that vic and it's sunday and we've got the day ahead of us and we're not we're not hung over we haven't got anxiety what are we going to do vic oh, i'm going to go and lie in bed and feel sad oh, no, i'm going to go and ride a golden horse yeah <laughs> Is that a sexual thing? <laughs> I was thinking that just, yeah, there was something about that that didn't sound right. Ride the golden horse. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy that, Lucy. I will. I will. I enjoy everything now. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm actually going to go and frolic on the beach with my children. How wonderful. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, if you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist or connect with your local AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yes, go onto Facebook and just search Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, the group. Lucy and I both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, you can too. For more support on sobriety, head to Vic's website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstalkmums.com.au. Finally, if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, review and share it with your mates. Don't make it sound like they have to, though. No, they do have to. I'm not doing all this for nothing. Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out 
all my magnificent fuck in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? It's probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, good, yes. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs>